Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. If you're listening to this today, it comes out. It is Thursday, September 15th. You got Kevin. And Raleigh. And to help us celebrate our first week one win in however many years, 17, 18, since 2004, we bring on our good friend, Hayden Grove. Mr. Grove, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Everyone, yeah, you know Hayden. He is... What is your, I just say you are a digital and sports content producer creator for cleveland.com. Yeah. I mean, basically they, they made a job for me that I do social media through sports or I do sports through social media for cleveland.com, try to get our, you know, our audiences engaged into the Browns, Cavs or Browns, Cavs and Guardians. Uh, So it's, it's a little hard to describe. I will, I will give you all grace. Fellas, we won. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's over, baby. The city of Cleveland is a week one champion once again. It's just absolutely incredible. All right, Raleigh, you were there. Hayden, were you there there as well? I was not. I was planning to be there. Uh, Some circumstances out of my control kind of changed that. So I was planning to be there, but I I was not there. Okay. uh, Quick recap. Uh, Charlotte, kick-ass city. I did the annual Browns dude trip where we are now have two wins on the docket after doing it for a decade. Um, most <laughs> fun trip of the year. We try to choose a cool city where the Browns have a decent chance of winning. I love it. We just, we all have kids now. We just like go do whatever we want. Golf, drink way too much, stay out too late, feel young again. And Dude, you're so cool though. Perfect. I know. Right. And then the trip always just ends on a miserable Browns game or a miserable ending Browns game. And it's just the most depressing flight back and this was the one year since 2014 or whatever the Hoyer year was where we flew back victorious. Awesome hey. city, awesome people. Um, Wait, Browns I'm interrupting. See- yeah. I have to interrupt you real quick intentionally because, and I'm sorry, the two wins that you've seen on these trips are two of the best wins we've had in the last two decades on the road. That's very true, but they were also like the only ones. So still kind of bitter towards the trip. Yes. The Hoyer win at Tennessee was the greatest and that was comeback in NFL yep. history. That was wild. Yep. yep. Uh, and then this one, which we'll get into the emotions of that game. Cause Holy shit. I, honestly, this game gave me a lot of anxiety. It's like, yeah, I wanted to win, but I also wanted Baker to do well, but not, so well that he would beat us but if he would beat us by a lot as like a statement win i'm like maybe that would be a better outcome than a come from behind like deflating thing that it almost turned into um the browns fans showed up people are saying that there were more browns fans than uh panthers fans there i don't think that's entirely accurate but i will say that there were a ton of them i met more browns backers from more cities in North Carolina. It wasn't just like, Hey, we're the Charlotte Browns backers. It was like, we're the 
Wilmington Browns backers. We're the Columbia, <laughs> South Carolina. Like all of these cities I've never heard of. And I'm like, oh, I either suck at geography, but the Browns roll strong in North Carolina. It was hotter than balls uh, being that close to the sun. The tickets were expensive, which we pre-bought them. I think if we would have waited before the game, the prices would have dropped. Great scene. Great outcome. Eight heart attacks between the snap and the end. Uh, a couple of heart attacks before the game started and over the summer. Yeah, emotional roller coaster. Glad that chapter is over. We could all move on from Baker, which hopefully the media folk don't continuously bring up, whatever. Um, how are we feeling, guys? Um, I think it's, I, I kind of feel the exact same way that like, I think that I wish Baker really well. I, I'm happy that he kind of played well in the second half, but now I just, I, I don't want to talk about him. I want him to just go do his own thing. I think that it's for the best for everybody. Um, I want him to be happy in, in Charlotte. I want his family to be happy in Charlotte. Um, but I'm just, I want to focus on Cleveland and this Browns team um, because there's nothing good that's going to come from talking about Baker Mayfield going forward. Uh, there's a lot of vitriol there. Maybe even on both sides. I don't know. Uh, Baker's been very classy in the way that he's handled things, and I and I think he's been good about it. But this Browns fan base really turned on him, and I, I just I don't want to engage in it anymore. So this is, Mark, this is the last time I talk about it. Um, uh, Cade York becomes an instant legend. You gotta love that. I mean, fifty-eight yarder just smashed the uprights. Defense, uh, I thought was very very good throughout the game. Can't have those mistakes. Can't have those miscues. You gotta fix that. Because, you know, otherwise I thought they were pretty much perfect. I mean, they they played CMC really well. They played Baker really well. But when you have two miscommunications the way they did, that was bad. Uh, this running game is incredible. Uh, you look at the, the offensive line, they're incredible. Um, and Jacoby Brissett was not very good, but I think he can be a lot better. And that's the good news. So I think for Jacoby Brissett, I think it's uh, – I don't think it's – uh, I, I don't think it's going to get any worse than that. I think it's only going to get better, you know, time to learn to communicate with these guys, time to get back on that field, time to gel and some bad teams to play against going forward for the next couple of weeks. So a good opportunity, a big opportunity to kind of, you know, win in any way you can and while getting, you know, getting used to each other on the field. Big did, knock on wood, big knock on wood, but yes. Ditto everything you said about Baker. There's going to be plenty of time and place to talk about Baker and the history we had with him, you know, down the yep. road and, and whatever. But it, with regards to this Browns football team this season, we have to stop talking about Baker. Yeah. And that is to. not, that yeah. is not a knock against it. Just it, like it, it's, it's over guys. Like we just have like to Baker, just, just like on. Baker, just like Baker can't talk about the Browns anymore. There's no reason for him to talk about the Browns. So just move on. He's going to move on too. And he, you know, he doesn't want to either. Right. Like that's the exactly. thing. And he would be like, why are you guys even thinking about me? Like you got to think that right. I'm sure is what he would say too. But anyway, yeah, we're talking about Baker said, again. <laughs> agree with everything you said about that. Uh, Cade York. What a legend. Wow. Jacoby Brissett. Look, I am really, I, I've been on record adamantly saying, I don't want anyone ever playing in a preseason game. I'm starting to drift slightly towards the other side of that spectrum. This was the first time that they had all played together. And you could say all the stuff they do in practice and whatnot, training camp, but they're playing against air. First time they're in like in a real live action game. They had a couple plays in the preseason, but you know, a lot of those guys did not play. And I am not a football coach, an NFL football coach or a player. Let's just, you guys agree with that. I would agree. Yeah. I, I still think you got to go through a quarter <laughs> or two with all your guys out there in the preseason. Because we knew coming into this game on Sunday that 
outside of all the pressure and all the storylines and everything, it's going to be a very sloppy first few series. It has to be because they've not played together yet outside right. of practice. But yes, Cade York. Wow. My heart stopped there. Uh, I got sick a couple other times. I was la- literally laughing out loud in that fourth quarter for that moment where it's just like, we're going to lose the Baker Carolina by one point. It's the most yeah. Browns thing that has ever happened, but no one should be surprised. And I remember at halftime credit to me, we were up by however many points people at the bar were getting happy. And I, I looked right over my friend and said, long way to go. And yeah. I think a lot of Browns fans are feeling the same way, but some people were getting a little too crazy then, but yeah, run game. Incredible. Chubb, 22 carries for 141 yards. Could have done even way more. Him and Kareem now being out there at the same time. Look, I know there's talent everyone in the NFL, right? The margin between talent and teams is razor thin and player to player, whatever. But, and I know teams know how to prepare for having two running backs out there. But when you see Kareem and Chubb back there, and then we also throw a guy in motion and we have Schwartz over here who say what you want. They still got to account for him because of how fast he is. You just see the whole defense collectively going, fuck. Like, what do we do with this? So it's just going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, I think uh, what you said, Hayden, about Jacoby, I think that's his floor. Knock on wood. Yeah. He's not He's not a world changer, but he's going to do enough. And I, I think he does improve. His, the, fun, the, fun, the funny thing is, uh, I think is, I don't think his ceiling is that much higher either. I mean, it's not, not like, terribly high. No, no, he's not, that's no, what I'm he's not right. a world changer. This is going to sound maybe insane, and I keep going back and forth. I think I was more nervous by for like the fourth and fifth kicks that went at Felton than oh, I was goodness. for Cade's field goal. I was yeah. getting sick when they and look, Felton, he's never been on special teams. In college, he didn't play it. He's never returned. If he focused on that, like actual returners do, I'm sure he'd be great at it. He's a phenomenal athlete, football player. He's not, this is not what he's done his whole life. He has never done this till now. So he's not supposed to be good at it. That being said, we got to figure something out back there. I was mortified every time they kicked at him. One more thing. We can go back on that DPJ, very quiet preseason training camp. Hey, and you can maybe talk about that more because you're actually there. He made some big catches, some huge catches. Cooper, he was putting those cornerbacks in an absolute pretzel all day long. He was frustrated a little bit. You could see at times, but that's going to be fine. Najoku, again, disclaimer for this whole episode. It's week one week. There's nothing. It's really judged yet. There's no big enough sample size. Najoku having one target for seven yards while he was phenomenal in the blocking scheme of things. We got to hopefully get that a lot more involvement out of that position in him with that contract. We just gave him. Am I crazy for saying this? Is this an accurate take? When I'm watching the games at the games, I'm probably drinking too much. But it seemed like there were no, what do you call it, casual receptions where they hit somebody, say, for 10 yards that was wide open. It's like everything was, it seemed like there were, I was just holding on to the edge of my seat. Sometimes they came down with it. Sometimes they didn't. Is that correct to say? Or were there any casual, oh, nice, a first down pass? throughout that game where there were, I, there were, I think there were a couple, nothing crazy though. I don't think there, were any, this, there was anything like, you know, you're right. I mean, there, there were far and few, few, few and far between, but there were a couple that guys were open. So I, I do think that Brissett's ceiling is a little bit higher. Once he, how do I say they, there were a couple of missed opportunities that were like the easy opportunities he should have taken 
uh, Kareem Hunt on the outlet where he went for, say, someone long or whatever, and they weren't able to come down with it. I think with film, hopefully, knock on wood, he's, and after playing one game, he's going to realize who his weapons are. Like you said, he, this is the first time with this team. He didn't get a whole lot of work outside of the preseason in practice in general. Like uh, uh, Deshaun was getting a lot of those reps, and we'll see how he adjusts. I do think that he looked comfortable in the pocket for some reason. I just felt like he wasn't panicky. Kareem, shout out Kareem's two touchdowns. Yeah, Raleigh, I'm going to – what you just said there about comfortable in the pocket, I'm going to give it to him. A veteran quarterback took the team down the final play or final drive of the game and got the job done. Yeah. Right. We can, we can pick apart all this shit all day long, but he finished, he, he did his job. That yeah. the thing to, the thing to think about too, is Jacoby, like you said, he, he, and he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't throw, he didn't turn the ball over, didn't fumble, didn't throw an interception. That's what you're going to get from him. And that's why it's, I think it's going to be okay for these first 11 games. I think they go three or four and oh, they might lose three or four in a row. And, and you know, there's a little bit of a tough stretch there. And then, you know, I think there's six and five, seven and four, I think, because Jacoby's not going to throw away games. He's not going to have a game that you just you're like, man, he's not he's not even going to have a Joe Burrow day like he had four interceptions. I mean, he's not going to have a day like that. So, you know, rely on the run game, play action pass. If Amari Cooper keeps getting pass interference calls and that's all he's good for, then God bless him. Wait till Deshaun gets back and just keep getting him pass interference penalties down the field. If David Njoku is only going to be a run blocker for the first 11 weeks, then let him only be a run blocker. I'm sure they'll use the tight end screen here and there. Like it, this is winning football. It works. If your defense, I, I think the only thing that needs to change is the defense needs to get better with the communication because you know, a good team probably going to score more than the Panthers did. I, th- I don't think the Panthers are very good at all. Um, I think their coaching stinks. I think their weapons stink. I think Ben McAdoo had a horrible game plan. I think they put Baker in really bad positions early on. So they're going to be teams that are better, and you can't have those miscommunications. But otherwise, I thought they played a really, really good football game, and that's how they're going to have to win, kind of ugly going forward. Christian McCaffrey was like – his whole body language is like, what are we doing? Why right. I'm the best player on this team. Please give me the ball. Right. When they started hitting him on those little outlet passes, there's something about when he catches the ball and you see it live. Shout out me for going to the game. He just, <laughs> looks, like, he just looks like a horse dude. Jed Wills. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're actually going to knock a player. There was a, tweet thread that came out did you guys see that by what's the guy's name pulling it up roberto whatever the hell it is alomar um no (laughs) stop that shout out robbie alomar i don't know why you dove head first in the first base but roberto shenanigans is the guy's name. oh yeah yeah yeah, i know he put out like 10 plays of missed assignments that if you look at him you're like is he trying like i'm not one to criticize my rule that I change regularly is <laughs> I will criticize a player heavily negatively. If it looks like they're just quitting or not putting out. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Like that guy. I mean, he also arguably saved the game by drawing the, <laughs> the helmet penalty there late in the fourth. But uh, what are the rumblings on the internet? 
at cleveland.com. Tell us about Jed Wills. Are you allowed to? Here's my kind of rule of thumb, right? And this is this might not be a good rule of thumb. It might be a, a bad rule of thumb. But here's my rule of thumb when it comes to to um, when it comes to offensive linemen. If I don't notice you, if I don't notice you at all, right? If I don't notice you in any way, I'll give you a passing grade. Like if if I don't notice you in a in a in a bad way, I will give you a passing grade. If I notice you in in a good way, you're probably a badass, which is the Wyatt Tellers of the world, the Joel Batonios of the world, right? Like I notice them in a good way. If I don't notice you in a bad way, I'll give you a passing grade. I did not notice Jed Wills in a bad way on Sunday. I didn't. There was nothing like egregious to me about the way that he played. So yes, you're going to have, you know, film. Oh, well, this play stunk, this play stunk. The one play that I saw specifically that, that I think Roberto shenanigans, the one you're talking about was a screen pass where he just didn't look like he was giving effort. And I think that is the thing with Jed. I think that that's kind of the big knock on Jed is the, you know, he's not your hard-nosed offensive lineman. He's not. He's not a guy that's necessarily gritty and it's going to get in your face, but he's a guy that has tremendous tools and, you know, and is very skilled and talented. So I think sometimes the laziness does come into play. I think sometimes the lack of toughness and tenacity does come into play, but I think he still is talented. And as long as I said, like I said, as long as I'm not seeing him get beat every play and I'm not noticing him in a bad way, then I'm okay with how he's playing. So my take on that is simple. One, Joe Thomas said after the game that he played just fine. And I will take Joe Thomas because exactly. he used to play that position. Number two, coach Callahan is the undisputed greatest, most respected offensive line coach in the entire league. If Jed is playing, that's because Callahan wants him to play. We have depth if it was a, a dire situation here. So I get it. I it, Hayden, I agree with you. I think Jed's very talented, right? I think he's doing just fine. Here's my hot take. No, I have heard nothing but good things about the dude as a person. This is, this is not a, a knock on him. I don't think he's really that obsessed with football. No, no. I just don't think he really is as obsessed with no. like – he just doesn't like playing as much as other guys do. That's my take. Hayden, I heard they kept Conklin out. I heard he was very much warming up, um, full gear, ready to go. I heard they kept him out because they just weren't too intimidated by Carolina's front. Any updates on him this week yet in terms of is he going to come back for week two or are they going to really, really take their time on this? I don't have any updates as of right now. Um, I think it's going to be a th another thing where I, I think he does play this week. I thought he was going to play last week. Uh, but I get that. So I, I think he's going to play this week again. You know, I look at the Jets front. Yeah, I mean, it's they got some good players, but um, I, I don't think it's as much about the opponent as it is about how Jack's feeling, how, you know, again, he's a veteran and you don't want to put him in a bad situation. You want to make sure that he's 100% completely ready to go. So this isn't the playoffs. This is week two. You got a long season ahead of you. I'd rather be cautious. So I'm fine with them. Um, I am fine with everything. Um in regards to, you know, the way they kept him out. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll be okay. Can we talk about how that was the most anti-Browns win of all time? Is that <laughs> fair to say? Like oh, there, yeah. were, there were so many things where we've seen the script a thousand times where they're, they blow a lead and now all of a sudden they give up the lead with a minute left. They have a quarterback that's been struggling or whatever new quarterback whatever and somehow they get two penalties i don't even want to talk about the spike the fake spike because i have no idea how to interpret that but it's like ah, that was the call the helmet thing 
that was like technically following the rules, but that shit never falls in favor of the Browns. And then a 58 yard field goal to win it. Like all of those things that never happens to this franchise. I don't know if it's ever happened to this franchise. I haven't talked to God like that in a very long time as we were lining up for that field goal. <laughs> the other thing I'll say about that, Raleigh, before I give it to Hayden, is in terms of that spike, whatever it was, the reason why I'm not even reading about it or watching it is because the number of God-forsaken calls and situations that have gone against us the last 20 years, we never get any benefit of the doubt or benefit of a call or a missed call, whatever it may be. So people that were all up in arms about that, I was like, you guys can – and I'm just not Browns fans. Other people, I was like, the hell with y'all. We, yeah, we, we've earned that one. If it was a mistake. That's well said. Earned in blood. And there was the Baker hit that they called a penalty on that call that a wash. It just happened to come late, you know, in the end zone where they get roughing the passer that it looked like a pretty clean hit. I, I, that one was so up in the air, but yeah, I can go other way with that one. I thought the Jacoby call was completely fine. Listen, this is the NFL. If you're touching a quarterback's helmet, you're going to get roughing the passer. I don't care anymore. Just that, that call is completely, completely, completely okay and acceptable. So it's 100% roughing the passer on Jacoby. The one on Baker was soft. Yes. But you know, that's the NFL. It's you can't land on a guy. I get it. So I didn't have a problem with those. The Jacoby fake spike. I really haven't even looked at. Um, I, I think that maybe he was, tri- maybe he thought like, I don't think obviously he did spike the ball. So I don't think he was trying to fake it. Maybe like he didn't want it to fall out of his hand or something. And he didn't want to like fumble it. So he like, you know, just made sure they had the handle on it, then spiked it. Um, I don't think any of those calls were really crazy game changers. Um, You know, the fact of the matter is it still took a 58 yard field goal to win the game. I mean, that's still remarkable in every right. So um, I thought that, you know, the, the calls were pretty fair by um by both sides and uh i didn't have an issue raleigh you said it perfectly though it was the anti-browns it really was it was just the weirdest i've never gone into that feeling of utter darkness and then brought out of it yes we have oh never brought out of it yeah correct like it's normally just a one-way path and it was just oh man that's i'm so glad that game is over and it's like of course it would have ended with that like it does make sense that the the week one loss streak since 2004 would end with like an anti-Browns uh, narrative to it, but my heart is I mean, still right. You guys are you guys are 100 right because as I was watching the game, we all had the same thought. This is the Brownsiest thing ever. Baker throws a 75 yard touchdown pass, beautiful throw to Robbie Anderson, leads him down the field, and I will I will say this. I cannot tell you how bad I think Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo are. I think they are horrible. I think they are absolutely horrible. You get down there and you get all conservative and you run the ball up the middle with with Christian McCaffrey instead of trying to put the game away. Like you deserve to lose. You deserve to hit a fifty-eight yard. Their game plan was horrible. I, I could talk, talk about, about it. it. Talk about it. I could. T- okay. No, I don't want to talk about it because I'm not talking, <laughs> we're, well, we're not talking. Can about I ask it. you a happier question? Yeah. So now that. This year is the first year in a in a few years because of COVID and whatnot, where reporters are actually allowed into the locker room, yeah, closer to the players, yeah. a lot more access. Can you just talk about your overall, and even if it including this this past week and the couple, last couple of weeks, just kind of your overall thoughts 
any surprises, just kind of the overall vibe of this team this year? Because I've heard it's very different from past years and the fact that these guys are just very close and they're just very much gelling. I, I don't know that there's a, I mean, obviously, again, we weren't there. What I do know, I think, I think the difference, to be honest with you, I think there were years, and maybe last year included, that the Browns were clicky, right? You know, Baker had his boys on the offense, and Baker was Baker loved the offense, and the offense loved Baker. That, that he took care of the offense. The defense is a whole different animal, and you saw the article. Miles and Baker did not get along, and I don't. Th- and I think that that was. And, and this is just my hypothesis. This is not. This is nothing I know for a fact. My hypothesis was that Baker wanted more from Miles as a leader. Right, Baker is a different leader than Miles. Baker's like, you got to get your guys together, get this group together, fired up. Yeah. yeah, like you, you're passive. You just let everything go. You don't actually care about leading these guys. Where Baker's like, I'm inviting these guys to dinner. I'm getting their wives together. We're going out to you know to bar or to restaurants and um, having a good time and trying to like you know have camaraderie. Like took Od- Odell and Jarvis and and Hooper to Montana. Like I'm trying here, and ba- and he probably thought, well, Miles doesn't do anything. He sits at home and doesn't do anything with his guys, and then they'd all turn on me because he's not leading them. Well. Now that now that Baker's gone, and and I think the offense is a lot less um, has a lot less quote unquote clickiness because you know because Baker wanted them to be a unit together and wanted took pride in them being unit together. I think the locker room does kind of just gel. I think everybody is kind of just chill. I don't think that there is that sense of urgency to you know hang out together with each other. And I think everybody kind of just does their own thing. And maybe that's the way this team needs to operate. You know, maybe there are, or maybe the egos on this team are less than ever before because, you know, we love Baker, but Baker had an ego and, uh, and Hooper had an ego and OBJ had an ego and Jarvis had an ego. And like this Browns team doesn't seem like they have that anymore. Like Chubb and Hunt don't have egos. You don't have an ego in Amari. Um, I don't think that Deshaun's allowed to have an ego at this point. Jacoby definitely doesn't have an ego. David Njoku has kind of dropped his ego. So like, it just seems like it's a very like selfless team. And maybe that's the difference is that, you know, these guys are just kind of gelling because they're just kind of going with the flow and doing what's best for the team rather than like trying to take positions of, well, I, you know, I trying to take positions of like leadership, if that makes any sense. You're saying that the leadership roles are kind of more, do you think it's more of a decentralized leadership? Yes, exactly. Lead by example or just don't lead at all. Just, just don't say like Baker Baker is a leader in like the, I'm going to rally my troops. My guys are going to fight for me. I'm going to fight for my guys. Right. Some love that about him. Some, some don't love that about him. Miles is a very laid back leader. Like doesn't say a word, just watch, do as I do and, and watch how hard I work and watch how good I am. Right. So like, I think that's the kind of vibe on this team is like Amari Cooper doesn't say a lot, but goes out there and works his butt off and guys are like, wow, that's impressive. So I think that's the kind of difference. I think this locker room didn't want Baker's leadership style and some, you know, and it worked in college for Baker and I'm sure, you know, maybe it'll work in Carolina, but I think for this current Browns team, I think they just want to lax, not a lax baseball, but just a laid back, like do your work and, and don't get in my face kind of leadership style. Nothing you said is hard to believe there. Yeah. And that's just, I'm not saying that as like a fact. I'm, I'm kind of basing that on what I've seen over the years. It's a hypothesis. It's an educated guess, which is what I'm saying. So that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. Um, I know you got to get going, but real quick before you do, how are we thinking about how are we feeling about Sunday against the Jets coming to town? I think it's a I think it's a roll fest. I think. Oh, uh, you're. Hey, God, hey not, on, not on this show. Uh, not on this show. I think they roll. I think 
Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have big days. I think Jacoby plays a lot better because he's a lot more comfortable with his guys now. The Browns are just way better coached than the Jets. They'll be way more prepared than the Jets. They're way more talented than the Jets. Joe Flacco, we've seen a million times. And that's the only scary thing. Is Ten that, years ago, Joe Flacco. Right, right. But that, you know, so I, I, I'm not scared of Joe Flacco. I'm not scared of their running game. I'm not scared of their receivers. I'm not scared of their tight ends. I'm not scared of their defense. I'm not scared of anything. So I, th- deep, I, think, I think Brown's been like 28-10. I was very much going to be a lot more afraid of this game if Zach Wilson was playing. Yes. And if their entire O-line wasn't injured right now. Right. Because of that. It's just so hard for me to imagine anything but a beatdown. Let me say, all right, maybe not on the scoreboard, but just an overall beatdown of a Flacco, right? right? Because they don't have an O line right now. Right. Flacco does not move. Right. Miles and Clowney coming at that. Like it's come the on. Browns, like, the Browns. I mean, now that I look back on it, you're the, what you said is correct. It's not. It might not be a, like the Browns might cover and win seventeen to ten, right? Like I can see that happening. But it's going to be like 17 to three until like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they just drive down and, and get a gimme touchdown. And then it's 17 10. You know, like it's going to be one of those games where the Browns will dominate throughout. And maybe there's like a, a garbage time touchdown for the Jets. So I can see it being, I could see it being like a closer game. Or I could see it being a game that like doesn't, is not indicative by the score. Hayden, I thought you were my friend. Who the hell, like the gall of you guys to assume it's going to be a layup of a Browns win? Like, dude, we've had like Raleigh, t- got Raleigh, Raleigh. I love you, man. But you, we got to, dude. Look what happened last week. What, what did we just say? It's the brownsiest loss of all. It's going to be the brownsiest game of all time. The brownsiest thing. It was. You just said it, it is the anti-brownsiest game of all time. Because yeah, at the very end, it's time to it's time to get rid of that narrative. It's time to push that in the past. They just won a game on a fifty-eight yard field goal after essentially blowing it, and. You, they got to win in week one. Like the anti-Brown stuff, the, the Brownsy stuff is gone. You got to push that out of your mind. Okay. okay. Like I, I, I agree. We do need to move on from the narrative, but can we do it in a way where we're cautious, cautiously optimistic? I just said, I just said they're going to win like 17. To, I said, no, I'm just saying like it's 2017, but we're going to sack Flacco nine times. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of like the Bears game last year. Like the, nobody thought the Browns are going to lose to the Bears, right? And they didn't. The Browns dominated the Bears, but like that's true. That was a that was an effortless win. But the score was close. It wasn't. It wasn't like a blowout in terms of the score. Remember, the Browns offense played terribly. I think that was Baker's the game after Baker got hurt, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, week three. Yeah. So you know. So, well, yeah, let's. Yeah. I'm excited for the first home game of the year. The Muni lot. Everything's going to be just absolutely. Oh. Insane. Yeah. Are you going, Kevin? I am not going to Sunday. I'm going to the Thursday night game. Oh, that's wild. Very excited for that. Mr. Grove, Hayden Grove, sir, thank you very much for joining us. Truly appreciate it. As always, we'll have his info in the description, of course. Uh, Thanks, Hayden. All right. Thanks, guys. We're now going to shift from Hayden. Once again, thank you, sir, for coming on. Over to Justin Freed. Justin is an associate editor at Fansided. He writes for the Jet Press, which is the New York Jets website of Fansided. Going to bring him on to preview Jets-Browns this Sunday. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest, one of our fellow Fansided, what do we say, network mates, label mates? Uh, we'll, just, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll determine that. 
Justin Fried, he's an associate editor over at Fansided. He writes for the Jet Press, which is the Fansided New York Jets site, and also runs Ebony Bird, which is the Ravens Fansided site. We won't get into that too much here. Uh, but Justin, thank you, sir, for joining us. And how are we doing? Of course, I'm doing good. Yeah, don't worry. I'm, like I said before, you know, before we start the show, I'm not a Ravens fan, so don't you know, put your pitchforks down. Uh, I will correct you. It's freed, not fried. Oh, shoot. You're all good. Normally, you're I asked that beforehand. Oh, that's on me. All right, <laughs> no, Justin you're all Freed. Good. You're all good. You He's got a the freed man. Yeah, it's you spelled, got the first name right, so you're, you're good. <laughs> for those Googling, it is spelled fried, though. So It is. It's very confusing. Oh, I <laughs> so guess it would, be, it would be worse if it was spelled freed and I called you fried. So Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't understand the rationale there. You're, believe me, you're not the first. You're certainly not the first. <laughs> um, but that's on me. No, but yeah, to, to back up what he's saying, he's got a huge Jets banner on his wall behind him. So we believe he's actually a Jets fan. But thank you for coming on. Really wanted uh, just to pick your brain and chat about this upcoming bout. Sunday, Jets are coming to Cleveland for a 1 p.m. matchup. I just sitting here, just a, a Jets fan and Browns fans talking is just it's just funny, it, you know. Just it's like that Spider-Man meme. It's like yeah. ah, we have very <laughs> similar pain points here. Um, but let's get into it. Last week, you guys went up against the Ravens, which that must have been a weird week for you. I didn't even think about that. So, want to start off? You guys are on year two of Coach Sala. Uh, last year, his first year and first year for your rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, or rookie last year, you guys had a record of four and 13, weren't huge expectations, of course, with any rookie head coach, rookie quarterback coming into year two. I know Zach is hurt for the next few weeks, I believe. So what were expectations coming into this season and how have they changed with Zach Wilson going down in the preseason for what I believe is a month or two? Yeah, I mean, well, you, you know, year two of of the Sala era, of the Zach Wilson era, was was supposed to be all about the development of Zach Wilson and this young roster. Unfortunately, uh, that has been put on hold temporarily until Zach Wilson returns. So that's you know that that's uh, that's hasn't been ideal for the Jets. But yeah, I think most people, just most Jets fans, just wanted to see the team be competitive and play meaningful games in, in December. It's been a long time since we've seen that. I mean, they haven't won a game in September since 2018. Uh, so, you know, we're used to seeing this team get off to bad starts. We're used to seeing this team not play competitive games until, you know, December, January. And by then it doesn't matter. Uh, people just wanted that to change. And you wanted to see steps from Zach Wilson from the rest of this young roster. Uh, and that's really been just the goal. And it still is the goal, even with Wilson out, you still want to see guys like Elijah Moore, like, any of the members of the of the 2022 draft class, which I'm sure we'll talk about from Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Jermaine Johnson, all of them. Uh, you just really want to see this young core take take shape and, and prove that you have a foundation to build upon. Uh, you can't win like four games again this year like that can't happen, especially this is, you know, Joe Douglas's third full year with the Jets. Uh, so you, you can't have that happen. Um, the, the, the rebuild is still in, you know, it's still happening. It's still in process. Um, but you need to see shine their signs of growth. Like they need to, to take steps forward. And I think, you know, we'll see if that happens. Uh, obviously Wilson being sidelined doesn't help. And now you have, you know, a 37 year old Joe Flacco being thrown out there, but it's really just about that. Like the ex expectations are, they should be better win seven games, be competitive. Don't get blown out. If you're losing games, lose them in a, in a you know, in a tough competition in a, in a, in a close game. Uh, that's, I think what Jets fans are hoping for. Uh, Justin, so most of our listeners are Browns fans and they know that Zach Wilson got hurt. They don't know the circumstance. It occurred in the preseason. Can you describe the play of how it went down? Like, was it a fluke play? Was it a dumb play? Uh, what went down? 
Yeah, so it was his, uh, I believe, second drive of the first preseason game, and he scrambled out to his left, and it was a non-contact knee injury. He, like, tried to juke a defender out, uh, and anytime it's a non-contact knee injury, you fear the, you fear the worst. I know uh, it was it was Dr. David Chow, who's, like, you know, at Pro Football Doc on, on Twitter. He's, like, a renowned uh, sports doctor, I suppose. He, you know, he said that the initial fear was an ACL. There was a lot of word that it could be a torn ACL. Thankfully, it was pretty much best case scenario. It was a bone bruise and a partially torn meniscus. Uh, it only required like a minor knee scope and just time to heal for the bone bruise. So he was out. You know, the original timeline was like two to six weeks. Uh, they're playing it really safe with him. So he was not put on the IR. He's still practicing. He just returned in like a limited capacity today for the first time on Wednesday. Um, and so, you know, he's back in uniform and stuff. They still don't think he's or they, they don't want him to play and he's not going to play until at least week four. So he'll be out for the Browns game. He'll be out for the week three against the Bengals. He the plan is that he'll return in time for the Steelers in week four. That's the plan right now. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a freak injury, just non-contact, which, you know, it's scary. But it's all things considered after what we saw with the injury. This is probably best case scenario. You guys have had a revolving door of quarterbacks just like we have. Well, I don't want to put that on you guys. Not as bad as we've had it, but you guys have everything from my favorite play, maybe of all time with Sanchez and the butt fumble. Needless to say, both our fan bases know a thing or two about getting a new quarterback every few years. What's the general sentiment? It's brutal to play sports in New York if you're not playing well. Zach is still in his second year of his career. What's the overall sentiment and just general opinion of of him? Are people pumped to have him as quarterback? Are they still like, you got to prove it to us? What's the deal there? I think it's very much uh, a no excuses type year for Zach Wilson. You know, last year uh, it was a disappointing rookie season. Uh, A lot of the rookie quarterbacks around the NFL struggled. I I think that overall it was a very disappointing year from Wilson. Uh, He played better down the stretch. He became more of a, of a game manager, I guess you'd call it. His, his weapons deteriorated, deteriorated around him. The offensive line had injuries. It was a bad situation, especially because injuries just decimated the roster. Uh, But he did legitimately play some of his best football down the stretch. Now, you have a much improved roster. Like you went out and signed Lake and Tomlinson. You have Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Braxton Barrios. That's a really good, you know, quartet of receivers. You have two legit tight ends, Brees Hall and Michael Carter. There's no excuses for Zach Wilson not to take a step this year. He needs to show signs that he can be the guy that you drafted second overall. So right now, I think the opinion is just let's see what happens when he comes back. I mean, now after week one, we saw with Joe Flacco. I think the opinion of him has just gone up as a result because uh, it's like, wow, he can't be as bad as Flacco was. Uh, at least he's more mobile. Even if he sucks, he's not a statue back there. Um, he doesn't look like, you know, 2021 Ben Roethlisberger pretty much. Uh, so, you know, at least that would be, that would be promising. But I think it's just when he comes back, you got to see signs of growth. You got to see, and I'm not just talking about, he goes from being the 30th best quarterback to the 28th. Like he needs to take a legitimate step towards being, you know, a mid, a middle of the pack quarterback this year. He needs to be a top 20 quarterback by the end of the year. And if he's not, there's going to be serious questions about his future in New York. We'll get to the other side of the ball here momentarily, but you brought up his name. We're big Garrett Wilson fans here because Ohio State and a lot of our listeners are as well. How excited were you guys to draft him? And I unfortunately have not been following him in preseason or even last week, but what's been the opinion on him so far? Oh, I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, you know, anytime you get a receiver draft the 10th overall, especially in a, in a, re- a receiver class that was as talented as this one, that says a lot about that player. Uh, he's, he was a phenomenal player at Ohio State, electric with the ball in his hands. And I think we've seen that so far, especially in week one, we saw it. Um, I think the the expectations for him going into the season were a little curbed just because in this scheme, it you know, it, it generally takes – uh, receivers a little bit of time to get going. We saw it last year with Elijah Moore, where he didn't really hit his, you know, find his groove, hit his stride until mid season. 
Uh, and that's when he kind of really hit the ground running. Unfortunately, an injury kind of, you know, ended his season prematurely. But I think similar expectations were expected of Garrett Wilson, especially because you have you have a lot of weapons in an offense, a lot of guys to, to potentially take targets away from him. Although what we saw in week one, it's kind of going to be hard to keep him off the field. They started, you know, playing. They did a lot of three tight end sets. A lot of it depended on the the matchup they were playing, uh, the matchup they were facing. Unfortunately, there's injuries to the offensive line, so they had to run more two, two or three tight end sets, which kept him off the field. But it's going to get to a point, I think, pretty soon that you can't get away with playing him 40 percent of snaps a game. Like you got to get him out there 60, 70 percent of snaps. Uh, because what we saw in week one, which he didn't do, a, he didn't get a ton of targets, but the ones that he did, he maximized. There was one play where it was just a dump off on, I believe it was third and 10. Uh, and it was a dump off to the flats. He made three guys miss, juked out, like you got to look this play up if you haven't seen it, juked out a number of defenders and came within inches of getting the first down, like completely on his own. It was an unbelievable play and it's why the Jets drafted him. So I think that he's going to be really, really good. I think it'll take a few weeks you know, maybe by the end of the season, we're talking about him becoming a, a, a you know, a really, really good receiver. But I think, you know, long term, I think he's going to be great. Uh, Justin, I'm going to go for a, a two part question, which I struggle to make a complete sentence at some time. So thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am I correct in saying that over the past couple of years, the Jets have done fairly well in the draft. I mean, you guys hit on Quinn and Williams. You guys hit on uh you say Mackay Becton. Uh, I think he was, wasn't he graded like the best lineman from that class two years ago? Um, what do you think has been, where has the struggle been with the Jets if it's not a talent issue? Or do you think it is a talent issue? Well, I think the last two draft classes have been very promising. Um, Joe Douglas is first. His first one was 2020. That one looks like a bit of a mess right now. And that was the COVID year. You know, there's excuses there. It was his first draft as a GM. It was the COVID year. But still, that draft class looks like a mess. Uh, Mekhi Becton's obviously phenomenal talent. And his rookie season, he was very good. Uh, unfortunately, injuries have just decimated his, his career. Uh, and, and I'm not sure he has a long-term future in New York anymore. Um, that's still very much in the up in the air. And then mm. the rest of that draft class looks like a mess. You know, Denzel Mims, second-round pick. He's whittling, whittling away as a, as a healthy scratch. Ashton Davis in the third round was a bust. Like they, they got nothing out of that draft class other than really Bryce Hall, who isn't even a starter anymore. Uh, I do think he's a good player, but they just have they have better corners. They brought in Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Um, but the rest of that draft class is not good. 2021 and 2022, on the other hand, looking a lot more promising. Like last year, you got Elijah Baratucker, you got Elijah Moore, you got Michael Carter. That's already three pieces that you believe will be long-term uh, on that offense. Not to mention guys, you know, later in the draft, like Brandon Eccles, who played early in his career. Um, and then this year, you know, obviously it's still early, but I think that it, most people expect the, the at least the top four picks in this year's draft, uh, you know, being Sauce Gardner, uh, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, and Brees Hall, to pan out, you know, even if one of them misses, you still got three impact players there. Um, so I think that they've done a really good job rebuilding that core, but it was, it was a long road. Like they, the previous GM, Mike McCagney, he left them in a really bad spot. Uh, kind of like how Dave Gettleman left the giants were just no cap space, yeah. just no draft capital, no talent on the roster. Uh, Quentin Williams was one of the few hits of, of the McCagney era. And that was, you know, he was a third overall pick. Um, so it, it was, it was a very, very long road for Joe Douglas, but the excuses are kind of running thin. Like, I I really do love Joe Douglas. I think he's a very good GM. I think he's done a lot of things good for this roster from everything from the Jamal Adams trade to, to, you know, building the right way through the draft, not overpaying for free agents, but you need to start seeing the results on the field. I do believe the Jets have a talented roster. 
I just think there are, are, you know, right now there's a hole at the quarterback position until Wilson returns, and we'll see even then if that fixes the quarterback position. Um, and, you know, unfortunately in this league, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to be successful no matter how talented the roster is. So I think that's the big thing to keep an eye on now. I do think the Jets have a talented roster, though, um, partially because of the last two draft classes. Was that both parts, Relics? That was a very concise question, if so. Really? <laughs> Nailed it. Well, yeah, that, as, he was, as he was speaking, I'm like, talking about it as if i know that the jets drafted well and i'm like okay the two names that i do know beckton and williams it's like you just yeah. said those are pretty much their only guys in the past three years i'm like oh so but, then. but pending everyone makes uh a little bit of a step forward at least this year you guys clearly have a foundation that i think everyone seems to believe in now and you guys have again pending injuries and all that we get that you guys have some fun players for sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, like some roster. very potentially very fun players to watch. So like that's got to give you if we're not a Super Bowl roster this year, whatever. But you have some guys that like, oh, this is going to be here for a while. Let's watch them grow. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everyone was excited about Sauce Gardner. You have Elijah Moore. They have Brees Hall. There is there was I want to say was because you know, after a week one loss, everyone, you know, loses that optimism. But there was a lot of optimism going into the year. Uh, I think some of that was, you know, taken away by Zach Wilson getting hurt. Uh, anytime you have a second year quarterback who you're kind of you're putting all your eggs in his basket and you're hoping he improves and he doesn't even play. And instead, you have to watch 37 year old Joe Flacco out there like that's that really, you know, dampers the mood. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think that once Wilson returns, that optimism will be back. How long it lasts depends on how he plays. But there's definitely some optimism about the the fun young players on the team. I need Flacco to get out of my life. Finally, Big Ben's gone. Now here comes Flacco back again. Coach Sala and our defensive coordinator, Coach Woods, were on the defensive coaching staff for the San Francisco 49ers back in 2019. Great defense. Obviously, a lot of coaching talent came out of that. So I, again, to bring up that that Spider-Man meme, Coach Stefanski even said in his press conference, recognized that they're very similar defensive minds, very similar schemes. So... First thing I want to ask about is Stefanski emphasized in his press conference today how aggressive and good the front seven of this Jets defense is. Um, he said last week watching tape, yeah, you guys lost to the Ravens, but he said they were still very impressive against that Ravens front. So can you talk about that front seven of the defense? And I guess the defense overall, too, I mean, from a high level, and especially that phenomenal name you added this year in Sauce Gardner. Sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, year one, um, any expectations went out the window when Carl Lawson tore his Achilles in, in the, in the summer, he mm. was dominating training camp. He was the best player on the Jets roster at that time. And then he tore his Achilles and missed the entire year. And, you know, unfortunately they, you just can't replace somebody like that. That was their big ticket free agent signing. And the defense struggled as a result. Uh, other injuries also impacted the team, but the defense struggled, the pass rush struggled going into year two, this is the I think it's the deepest defensive end group that I've seen on the Jets in my lifetime watching them. And I'm only, you know, I'm only 24, but um, it's still it's still an incredibly, incredibly deep defensive end group. Um, you know, you're they're legit like six or seven deep. You got Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers. They drafted Jermaine Johnson. He only played 30 percent of snaps. He was a first round pick. Uh, Bryce Huff, who was a very, very, very good player last year. It was a healthy scratch because they just have so many names. They got another fourth round rookie in Michael Clemens, who's played well. They have Jacob Martin, who they signed away from the Texans. They are so deep at defensive end that they just, you know, I'm sure you know, it's it's the it's the solid way. They did it in San Francisco. They ro rotate those defensive linemen a ton. 
like that nobody's playing more than 50 60 percent of snaps at at maximum um that's you know it keeps everybody fresh and if you have the talent to do it last year they didn't have the talent to do it this year they do and i think you saw that in week one they they held the ravens uh to 63 rushing yards which is the lowest yep. rushing yards of the lamar jackson era no lamar jackson led nfl team has ever had fewer rushing yards in a game uh that's remarkable in its own right and the fact that they did that and on top of the fact that they're two starting corners um, allowed a total of eight yards in the game and they lost by 15 is just unbelievable to me. Um, but that's, that was the headline. The headlines yeah. were the, the rushing yards and the secondary. Yeah. No one and talked about the score. No one even really knew you guys lost. That hadn't yeah. actually, I was just casually seeing it on TV. Yeah. And that's how bad the offense was. That's, that's how future the offense was because the defense played out of their minds uh, in week one, you know, and obviously the Ravens don't have the most, you know, intimidating receiving core, but they have Mark Andrews and Mark Andrews was, I believe held under 60 yards. Uh, oh, yeah. Gardner locked him up for a lot of the game. He was covering him. That's a Browns uh, killer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I believe me. I, I watch my, I watch every Ravens game. I know <laughs> that's a Browns uh, killer. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you know, sauce guard, if the front seven is, is, is phenomenal, especially that front four. Um, there were questions about the linebacker core going into the year. Um, you know, CJ Mosley isn't quite the player he used to be. At least he wasn't last year. Uh, you know, I really like the Quan Alexander pickup and they have Quincy Williams, but there were concerns about that group. They played phenomenal in week one. So I, you know, I think a good start for them and they're going to have to keep it up because now they play a, a Browns rushing attack, which is, you know, just as dangerous as the Ravens rushing attack led by Nick Chubb, who had a great week one and, you know, that, that awesome offensive line. So, you know, it's going to be a challenge uh, that, that run defense, but I think, you know, definitely the pass the pass rush was was impressive in week one. The run defense exceeded all expectations. And, you know, we, we like we talked about it. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed were, were phenomenal. They were the best um, cornerback duo in the NFL in week one. So, you know, expectations are high. Um, the defense was was not good last year, but I think now they have the personnel in there for it for it to be significantly better. And similar to the Browns of the last few years, it seems like the Jets, too, are starting to really get their own unique identity. I feel like just like us, you guys, you know, coaches and quarterbacks and in and out. And yeah, you've seen the playoffs more than we have in the last decade or so. But, you know, it, you guys are, are really solid giving you that identity. So at least yeah. from my from my seat up here in the cheap seats. Yeah, he's he's trying to run the, the defense he ran in San Francisco. Like every every acquisition he's made for that defense has been guys that would have fit on that 49ers defense. Some of them did play on that 49ers defense, like DJ Reed, like Quan Alexander, uh, you know, yep. like Solomon Thomas. So he's getting guys that he had in San Francisco and that found some success in San Francisco. And he's just kind of implementing it in New York. And hopefully, hopefully it works. I mean, they don't have Nick Bosa, but Carl Lawson's really good. They don't have DeForest Buckner, but Quinn Williams is really good. You know, they they have the pieces yep. there. Right? I think this defense is going to be going to be it's going to be pretty good this year. I do. I saw on the news you guys worked out four different punters today, and then I also saw that a twenty five percent of the starting punters in the NFL were once on the Jets roster. What's going on with this this punter party over in uh, Jets world? Well, I I think the twenty five percent is kicker. I think. I just because I, I kicker, sorry, out. kicker, not punter, kicker. But they kicker. did work out punters though. They did work out punters. Oh, but the kicker um, stat, yes, that's correct. The sorry. Yeah, they, their special teams has been a bit of a revolving door. Uh, you know, at, at, at well, the reason they brought in punters is actually because Braden Mann, their current punter, is dealing with a back injury. Uh, that was not clear until today because people thought it was a performance thing because he did shank a twenty-yard punt in week one, and he has been inconsistent at best. Uh, so they signed Ty Long, who was with the Chargers. He's on the practice squad. He is insurance if Braden Man is forced to miss week, week one. Um, right now, that's all he is. Maybe he takes over Man's job. Who knows? But that's that's all he is now. And yeah, kicker Greg Zerline missed two of his three kicks in week one, and they have not had uh, they have not had a kicker. I believe they don't. Have, they haven't had a kicker 
for consecutive seasons in like seven years or something crazy like that. Uh, it is, it's unbelievable. The revolving door they've had. Uh, yeah. It's, it's seven, seven former Jets kickers who were on the Jets roster within the last like five years will be kicking for an NFL team next week. And there's another one on a practice squad. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a mess there. It's a bit we, of a mess. We can now granted last week was we just drafted Katie York in the fourth round. So we potentially have our kicker of the future now, but up until that last week, and we still got to see what happens. We, we've been through the same thing. Like we haven't right. had a kicker since Phil Dawson. Uh, oh, I think um, a couple of the Jets, like Chase McLaughlin was on the Browns. Last oh year. yeah. He yep. was with the Jets. Uh, yeah, so many dude. I, I, Alex Kessman was he with Cleveland at one point? Let's ring a bell. Like, Chase was a couple years ago, I think. But there's maybe. been so many. Maybe it was last year. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what do you got prediction wise before we let you go? What do you got prediction wise for Sunday? Do you do predictions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could, I could. Um, man, I mean, fr- from a Jets perspective, this it feels like a must win game. Like I know it's week two, but you can't, you know, because because they play the Bengals in week three. That's a tough matchup, even though you know they they did just lose to Pittsburgh in week one. Uh, I I think it'd be very it'd be it'd be very it would not be good to go into week four Wilson's return zero and three. Uh, you know the Browns are they're they have a good roster, but they have they're a beatable team because they have Jacoby Brissett at quarterback who is a fine player like he's he's a he's a good backup that's what he is but uh you know the browns are a beatable team right now you know they 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 nearly lost to the the panthers in week one um they are a you know they're a beatable team they're not they're not world beaters they're they're not as good as the as the ravens are no offense of course uh at least without watson obviously with percent i'm talking um and i think that they're a beatable team that said um i just my my fear is joe flacco against that that browns pass rush uh i you know george fan is returning from a knee injury. He's moved back to left tackle. He struggled in week one, and now he has to face Miles Garrett. Uh, and the Jets have a literal statue at quarterback. So I have major concerns about how the how the offensive line will be able to hold up against the pass rush. I think the Browns are going to blitz the hell out of Flacco because they saw he struggled, you know, against the blitz in week one. And I think as long as they do that, they should be all right. Like I think it's going to be a low scoring game because I think both defenses are going to play very well. Um, but I just. I, I think the Browns win this game. Uh, you know, as much as I'd love to see the Jets win. Damn, you built that up and then went Browns. Yeah, well, because I think that I think that the pass rush is just gonna be too much. Like I, I really do. You know, if they, if they Jets, and this is not saying that Zach Wilson is a great NFL quarterback, but if they had Zach Wilson back there, I think they'd have a chance or have more of a chance because they at least have somebody who's mobile who could extend plays. Joe Flacco, anytime he, he's touched, he's down. Like he can't move at all. Uh, and that's not going to work with a beat up offensive line. You know, they, they already lost their two top left tackles uh, before week one. They lost their two top left tackles. That's pretty wild. So, you know, now they have to. Now, there. Right. And now you got Miles Garrett going against them. And it's not like the rest of that defense is slouched either. You got Jadavian Clowney there. You know, they got Chase Winovich as well. They got Jeremiah Usukarmo. Like they got a really good front seven of the Browns. So I think that's going to be really tough for the Jets. And I think the Browns win it. You know, let's say 24. 14. You know, I was going, uh, I was going 2017 Browns. Yeah, say, no, 20, 24, 13. Greg Zerline misses an extra point. There you go. It, okay. Yeah, I mean, if they held the, the Ravens to 20, I'm like, I don't know, man. I, if the Browns make some huge offensive adjustments. Then maybe I think this is going to come down to who has the least turnovers. Good. And I think it's going to be low scoring. That's actually like the one time I've made a legitimate prediction on this. Yeah, I, I think it definitely is going to be low scoring. Um, you know, the, the Ravens offense was was very it was nothing in the first half. Like eventually the defense wore wore down, but the defense was dominant in that in that first half. Uh and they, they still played a phenomenal game. So I, I do think they're gonna be good uh, you know, against Cleveland. What what's going on with Amari Cooper? I saw he didn't practice today. Was that a thing? Because if he doesn't play, that's huge. Um 
I've not caught up on all my news from today. Okay. Oh, it was a rest. I, I did see this actually. Yeah, it was yeah. it was just a rest day. Just a rest. Yeah, so um, because it, we have a short because we have a short week next week, uh, coach said today is going to be giving a lot of guys rest just to start that process for next Thursday gotcha. night's game. Um, Justin Freed, associate editor at Fansided, again writes for the Jet Press and Ebony Bird. We'll have all his contact info in the description. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Give us some insight on the Jets. Uh, I can't speak for all Cleveland. I learned the hard way a few times to not look past the Jets in any way. So definitely not this week at all. Shout out 2020. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So let's hope for a good game. Both neither team can afford any kind of injury. So <laughs> knock out whether it doesn't happen. And best of luck Sunday, sir. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys having me. And, uh, you know, best of luck to you guys as well. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you Friday for the Friday Five and Sunday in the Muni lot. Go Browns and good night, Cleveland. It was 1950 in the cold and rain when my father took me to my very first game. Said the Browns are going to show you how the game is played.